Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right of the week, and training camp is here as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 255. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I've got a special edition, really, of the next of the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Over the next couple of weeks, obviously training camp is here, like I said. So Chris McPherson, Ben Fennell are going to join me every single day here over the course of training camp for the next couple of weeks. And we're just going to recap what we saw over the course of the day's coverage of PhiladelphiaEagles.com of Eagles camp. So I'll be at practice. We're obviously going to have eyes on all the press conferences, all the media availabilities, everything that you've got covering the Eagles over the course of the next couple of weeks. You will find it here every single day that there's practice on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. So Ben Fennell, Chris McPherson, I don't want to waste any more time. Let's jump right in now. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, really happy to welcome back to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast my good friends, Chris McPherson, Ben Fennell. Guys, uh, we were together every single day during training camp last year here on the show. Much little, uh, much different feel, obviously, this year, doing it remotely. Um, you know, I just got back to my desk uh, from the practice field just kind of collecting our uh, our thoughts here. And we're going to talk about the Eagles here from 20, 20, 25, 20 or 25 minutes here. And uh, look, training camp is here. Training camp is back. The, the pads are on. Uh, you know, NovaCare Complex was uh, as normal as it has looked in just over five months, which uh, was a great feeling today. But guys, welcome back, man. It's, uh, it's exciting for football to be back. Uh, I'm glad I'm not in the same room as you guys. I, I think that's the advantage over uh, <laughs> last year. I, I would take that. Uh, time over and over. But I think happy is, is an understatement. Um, looking forward to some sense of normalcy and getting the pads back on, getting a full team practice going on at the NovaCare Complex. You said it, Fran, the buzz back there in the building. It, it's great to have Eagles football once again. Yeah. yeah, just starting to feel like football season, you know? We're already here in mid-August, as crazy as that is, and we would typically be in preseason two or three uh, game at this point so it just feels good to get back into a routine and get the pads on and hear some pops and the balls flying through the air and now we can overanalyze everything we saw <laughs> exactly right <laughs> well let, let's start real quick I, I guess I'll just set the table today was a 10 10 10 practice which uh, is a lighter version of practice where basically uh, the practice gets segmented into a series of, of periods one geared towards the offense one geared towards the defense and then one set of special teams, 10 plays each. So 10 plays offense, 10 defense, 10 special teams, uh, wash, rinse, repeat three times over, and that creates your 10-10-10 practice. So while there are plays being made, both offensively and defensively, you have to keep in mind that each of those sessions is geared towards one side of the ball over the other. Um, and it's what, it's the starting unit versus the backup unit. The, the twos and the threes will get reps against the ones. Um, you know, so you kind of keep that in mind as well. There was not really much uh, of any good versus good here this hour or this morning down at the NovaCare complex. But uh, look, there's a lot that did happen before we get into what happened on the field. CMAC, if you could just kind of bring us up to the date, um, there was an announcement with uh, some of the injury stuff just to kind of kick things off here for the week. 
Yeah, so the big one, obviously, is defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. The team's biggest free agent acquisition is out multiple weeks deemed by the team with an upper body injury. And we've been looking forward all offseason to seeing Fletcher Cox, Hargrave, and Malik Jackson form the best trio of defensive tackles in the NFL. Uh, so very obviously disappointing that we won't get that from the gate. And you obviously want to have that time where Fletcher and Javon can get used to playing alongside one another because they did not have that during the spring. Uh, should be noted that Hargrave has only missed one game his NFL career, and that was due to a concussion back in 2016, his rookie campaign. So at least on the bright side, Malik Jackson, who only played one game in his first year with the Eagles a year ago, because we talked up that duo at this time last season, that he and Fletcher Cox will get that time alongside one another. Also along the defensive line, Derek Barnett, Eagles exercising the fifth-year option, coming off his best campaign in 2019, Hailed for his toughness by the coaches is week to week with a lower body injury. Uh, Jason Peters, he's day to day with a lower body injury and critical for him only because he's getting used to that right guard position, playing that for the first time in his career. Uh, JJ Arthago Whiteside, wide receiver, day to day with a lower body injury. And linebacker Duke Riley was out today with an illness. So that's the latest on the injury standpoint. Well, Fran, with, you know, JP and that right side of the offensive line kind of out for, you know, a couple of practice years with Lane and Brandon, why don't you just go through the pecking order on what you saw today off that right side? Yeah, so really what we looked at with the, on the right side, well, or really along the offensive line, was uh, Andre Dillard, obviously starting left tackle. Uh, at left guard, you had Isaac Samalo. Center, you had Jason Kelsey. At right guard with the ones was Matt Pryor, and Lane Johnson was in uh, at right tackle. You did see Jordan Mailata working at right tackle at times. We did see the rookie Jack Driscoll working at right tackle at times. Um, so we saw a little bit of a, a smattering there on the right side, but uh, you know we got to see we got to see some Lane, but we did get to see uh, both Jordan Mailata, who was off the COVID nineteen list uh, late as of late last week, and then also obviously like I said, the rookie fourth round pick out of Auburn. Jack Driscoll. So, um, you know, those were the big things from a depth chart standpoint along the offensive line. I guess along the uh, some of the other injuries that you mentioned there, C-Mac, uh, with Derek Barnett not on the field. Uh, I would say Vinnie Curry probably got the majority. It seemed like that was what it did, how it seemed just to my eye was that Vinnie Curry got most of the starting reps on the right side. But uh, Josh Sweat certainly did get a, a hand, uh, his share of first team reps off the right side as well, opposite Brandon Graham. Uh, we saw plenty of Malik Jackson in there next to Fletcher Cox, which uh, that was good. Malik Jackson, I mean, you guys know, just when we talked about it here uh, on the show last summer, just looks so good on the hoof. Like, he just looks so good in person. Looks like he's in great shape. So excited to see him uh, next to Fletcher Cox here to start this season. Um, You know, at linebacker, you mentioned Duke Riley was out uh, with the illness. So we saw Alex Singleton get some reps with the ones uh, with that first unit. So uh, next to TJ Edwards and next to uh, Nate Gary as well. So uh, from an injury standpoint, those seem to be the biggest takeaways for me in terms of how that affected the depth chart. Um, guys, look, I have no idea. Like, we're just going to kind of sit here and just kind of talk. Uh, I don't have any structure as to how we're going to have this conversation <laughs> yet. I'll just say this. To me, my biggest thing that I wanted to come out of today was who was going to stand out at wide receiver, and namely, how would Jalen Rager look at his first action in front of the media? Like, this was going to be his first time in pads in an Eagles uniform. Uh, yeah, check the box. Like, pass the test. He looked awesome. And the connection with him and Carson was really, really good. Um, the very first team period, they connected on a deep post and they connected on a deep dig. 
wide open in the middle of the field uh, on the post and then on the dig. And I think it was the, the third or fourth play of the session. Uh, Deshaun Jackson actually lifted the coverage deep and that created a nice void right in the middle of the field. Carson hit Jalen Rager on the money. Uh, Jalen caught the pass in stride, was able to pick up some extra yardage. So uh, they, those two connected on a number of big plays today, not just down the field, but down in the red zone as well. There are some screen passes, some quick slants, very involved. Um, a lot of really good stuff. And honestly, uh, I was standing with Dave Spadaro uh, most of the day today, which, by the way, you can catch our practice notes, uh, Dave and I, later today uh, as we're recording this on Monday. Uh, later in this afternoon, uh, they should be up uh, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. One thing that Dave and I noticed was late in the session as the, the, the backups on offense were working against the third-team uh, defense, the uh, trio of Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, and Jalen Rager we're off on a separate field, just kind of working through things together. But it was kind of cool to see Jalen working his way kind of into it, just the, those three together. I thought it was kind of interesting to see those three working off by themselves uh, while the, the backup did some work. You know, Fran, I think it's really interesting. Every summer, I feel like the conversation gets dominated with who's going to play where, with the fans, the media, who's the slot receiver, who's the outside receiver. And I think today, without an Alshon Jeffrey out there, without Arthega Whiteside, I feel like the skill sets and the roles of the receiver are so interchangeable. To see the 11 personnel group of three receivers, Deshaun, Greg Ward, Jalen Rieger, and then the guys behind them like Quez Watkins or Hightower, they all have similar skill sets, similar frame, similar stature, where I think we get so carried away with who's the slot receiver. These are very interchangeable receivers, and I think we see that a little bit in practice today. The big thing is that – Go ahead, T-Mac. I was just going to say, I think the big thing with Rager, and you could say it's for the young receivers, is Carson Wentz has come out and said, he reiterated today how much he's enjoying working with these young receivers, particularly with Rager. And you can definitely see the increased explosiveness on the field. And last year, a rookie receiver like Ortega Whiteside wasn't pressed into action because you had Alshon, Deshaun, and Nelson Aguilar. Well, right now, Alshon's working his way back. Aglor is with the Raiders now. There's there's room for a rookie or young player to step in and fill that void. And Carson isn't shy about saying that Jalen can come in from day one and be a contributor. So I think Carson is trying to do everything he can with these side sessions on the on the different fields. And you know they took some time to work out together during the off season before they could come to the Novacare Complex to try to get him up to speed as quickly as possible because he realizes that, A, this was the guy that kind of was drafted to be his, his go-to target of the future, and you can say the present as well. But realizing if the Eagles are going to win in 2020, this guy could be a big part of the offense, and Carson wants to make sure that he does everything in his power from a leadership standpoint to help accelerate that learning curve. Yeah, I, I think that's right on. And I, I think it kind of speaks to the leader that, that Carson is. And I just have an understanding, like, look, um, as all, as good as all the virtual learning has been, um, you know, and the, the team is as caught up, you know, Doug Peterson said, like, it's not like they're running install right now. Like they're where they need to be in terms of this point in the off season. There's still some, you know, you, there's still some makeup time that, you know, to, to get out on the field and get some added reps in with those guys. So all the reps matter. Um, so seeing Carson kind of work on the side with, Jalen and with Zach I think that was pretty awesome um and Ben I I agree wholeheartedly with your point man I I think that there's been a lot talked about a lot written about this offseason of well is Jalen is Jalen going to be the X is he going to be a slot is he going to be the Z but is he working behind Deshaun is he working with Deshaun dude in today's game like 
obviously the, the the receiver roles are important, but I think it's not as quite as important as they were seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. Like I, I don't think that you know they say like, oh well, he's only an X, so he's only going to play here. That that is certainly the case for some guys. But Jalen Rager, you know, if you're talking about what do you need to do as an X receiver, all you need to do as an X receiver, get off press because you're on the line of scrimmage. And create separation one on one, which you need to be a, you need to be able to do that as a receiver, no matter really where you play uh, in today's game. So uh, I agree with your point that you made earlier about just the the difference uh, of positions uh, at the receiver spot. Yeah, I feel like those slot receivers have kind of changed and evolved over the last five ten years. You knew where Wes Welker was lining up. You knew yeah. where Brandon Stokely was lining up. Now the slot receivers have a little bit more of a diverse skill set, a little bit bigger. They could play all over the place. And just like the last summer was the same thing. Who's the slot? Is it Nelson? Is it not? Is it Deshaun? These guys are going to be moved all around the offense. And Jalen Rieger, at the end of the day, he was a gadget receiver for me because he's positionless. He's going to be outside of the numbers in the slot. Don't be surprised to see him in the backfield a handful of times this uh, this season as well. I think that's okay to have guys that could play multiple roles and do multiple uh, you know duties for your offense. You know, it, it brings up something that Aaron Moorhead, the wide receivers coach, said during a, a press conference uh, over the weekend, I believe it was, and it was we're, we're teaching the receivers the concepts. We're, we're yeah. not teaching by position because last year it seemed like you would hear the the receivers, the young receivers not be ready for certain roles because they were maybe practicing one position, but then during the game, they had to get thrust into another and they weren't ready for that. So to me, it's smart for, for Moorhead's perspective and these young guys to just understand everything from a, you know, 30,000 foot standpoint, understand why they're doing everything within the offense, the nuances of the concept so they can go in and as Ben said, be positionless and line up anywhere on the field and be ready to attack uh, opposing defenses. And I'm going to be honest, too. I feel like this is not just a receiver thing, but especially for this year in this COVID-19 environment where guys might be put, you know, placed inactive. You know, God forbid uh, we get to this point, but guys are made inactive so late in the week because, you know, they had a, a test comeback positive. You need your guys to be versatile at every single position. So defensive linemen that can play a number of different techniques, linebackers that can play all the different positions. The Eagles obviously have that versatility in the secondary, guys that can play nickel, corner, and safety. But I think that that applies to the wide receiver position. If you are in a, uh, a specific player that maybe you could only you know, wear one or two hats, that's not going to serve you super, super well in this, in, for the, the NFL in this season because of the need for that versatility. You know, and that's why I really covet guys like Matt Pryor, which face it, he may he may never be a starting offensive lineman in the NFL, but his ability to play tackle in a pinch, guard in a pinch, swing tackle on both sides of the offense, you know, something he did at TCU in his short time with the Eagles. That's what Isaac Sayomalo did his rookie year before he was a starter. We no longer have Big V, who is able to come in and play left tackle, right tackle, right guard. Having that versatility, particularly on the offensive line, something extremely coveted by this team and the league. So while Matt Pryor may never squeeze his way into the starting five, that's a valuable, valuable skill set, especially in a year like this where you may need somebody in a pinch. Yep, no question. Let's real quick, guys, um, talk about the quarterback position. Carson, I thought, was really, really good today. Um, the only pass that I can remember that was, like, really, uh, like, kind of off target was the second session. It might have been the first throw of the session for Carson. He kind of th- – it was one of those passes where you couldn't tell if he overthrew one guy or underthrew another. It went right in between both Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. was nearly picked off 
by the linebacker Alex Singleton in there in coverage. But outside of that, he was crisp. He looked really good, good touch, good velocity. Uh, placement was really good everywhere. He threw a couple nice deep balls. He threw a couple intermediate over the middle of the field, some outbreaking routes. Everything looked really, really good from Carson. Down in the red zone, he was really good. Uh, and then Jalen Hurts, uh, I think, you know, he was working with the third team. He was working behind Nate Sudfeld. So with the third team offense, but he made some nice throws on the run. Uh, he had one of the throws of the day, uh, which was an outbreaking route down in the red zone to Jalen Rager, uh, where he kind of tiptoed it along the sideline. But Jalen just basically threw him open. I mean, he threw it to a spot. Jalen went and uh, Jalen Rager went and uh, went and got it. But Jalen Hurts, I thought, had a nice day, a nice debut for Jalen Hurts in front of the media for sure. I thought he did some nice things uh, on the run, he avoided some pressure at times. Um, so really good stuff from both Carson Wentz and Jalen Rager today. I would say if it wasn't that Jalen Hurts throw to Jalen Rager, the play of the day, though, was the Carson Wentz throw to Dallas Goddard, also in the red zone, back in the end, back of the end zone, one-handed grab, right hand went up, beautiful, beautiful catch, both feet inbounds along the end line. Uh, to me, that was the other uh, play of the day. So uh, whether it was Dallas Goddard or Jalen Rager, um, you know, both guys uh, made some great catches. Uh, the quarterbacks were on point. It was good stuff just to be able to see both guys really execute in the structure of the offense. You talk about the Goddard play. Uh, our Joe Helder, uh, Eagles Entertainment, got a perfect, perfect bird's eye view of the play. We're hoping to get that out on social for everyone to uh, just see how awesome, awesome this uh, this play was uh, later on this afternoon. Love it. So You know, we talk uh, positionless players real quick, yeah. Fran. We have a couple positionless coaches that are new as well. I'm kind of uh, interested to see their involvement and maybe uh, – how involved or lack thereof they maybe were. Marty Morningweg back with the team, Rich Scangranello coming over from a couple of years of the Denver Broncos. These guys are really just offensive advisors and senior assistants, not really position coaches or coordinators. Really interested to see what their involvement's going to be on the offense. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a really impressive think tank there on the offensive side of the ball. A lot of voices, uh, a lot of good ideas being thrown around, uh, certainly from that side. Um, real quick, I talked about uh, what the personnel looks like uh, up front on the offensive line, uh, I can talk real, real quickly just about what the personnel looked like uh, at the skill position. So uh, Miles Sanders, obviously the starting running back, got, got the lion's share, had a couple of nice runs today, scored some touchdowns uh, down in the red zone. Uh, at wide receiver, the starters in the three receiver sets were Deshaun, Jalen Rager, and then Greg Ward uh, was the third receiver uh, in the secondary, which I think is going to be really interesting uh, just to kind of follow that this offseason or this summer uh, over the next couple of weeks. The starting corners when they went uh, in base with three linebackers were Darius Slay and Avante Maddox. When they went into nickel, Nikel Roby Coleman came onto the field as the slot corner. Jalen Mills was the starter at strong safety opposite Rodney McLeod. So those are your five DBs with uh, Darius Slay, Rodney McLeod, Avante Maddox, Jalen Mills, Nikel Roby Coleman. When they went into dime, Will Parks did come on the field and Will Parks did rotate some with the first team at strong safety opposite McLeod so that's kind of how the uh the safety position or the, the defensive back position look uh here today I talked about the defensive line we talked about linebacker um I'll tell you what I've been talking about linebacker you know kind of shot there were two day three guys that kind of shined today made some plays uh the rookie uh from Temple Sean Bradley had a uh really nice stick in the middle of the field against Dallas Goddard it was really it was actually the first completion of the day, uh, had a nice stick. Goddard was able to hold on to the football, but nice stick by Sean Bradley there. Then a little bit later had what would have been a sack in a real game uh, against Carson Wentz on a blitz up the middle. So uh, you saw Bradley very involved. And then Quez Watkins uh, caught a couple touchdowns from Carson Wentz down in the red zone. Uh, you you kind of see that he's a, he's a really springy athlete. Um, you know, just kinda, he's got some juice. He's long. He can go up and get it. 
Uh, Quez Watkins, uh, I thought, had a nice day today. Just kind of looked good, um, you know, kind of on the hoof. So uh, two guys from, on day three in this draft uh, that kind of shined for me in day one. You yeah, know, big thing, Fran. The temple guy, Fran. Jeez. <laughs> you know, I had to throw it in there. Take long. Yeah, you know, I had to throw it in there. You know, big thing I was interested in is who's going to be that between the tackles bruiser back for us. It's right. never a secret we want that. Take a couple carries off of the starter. We know it's Miles Sanders' backfield. It's no secret. But whether it was Legarrette Blount, Jordan Howard, we love having that guy that beats up trenches of opposing defenses, especially in the fourth quarter. Take a couple of those reps off the starter. Mike Warren's a big boy. Elijah Holyfield's got good size. We know Corey Clement, Boston Scott. Interesting little stable behind Miles Sanders that I'm not entirely sure it's really uh, kind of – uh, played itself out yet. I know we're only in day one of practice with pads on, but I could really see any of these four guys emerging as that running back two right behind Sanders. So uh, yeah, I'll just kind of dive into what I saw from the, the backup running backs today. So um, Boston Scott <clears throat> had a couple of nice runs on the perimeter uh, down to the right side. Uh, he had two. Uh, there was one in the first period, one in the second period. Um, so Boston Scott certainly made his presence known. Uh, Michael Warren, the, the rookie undrafted free agent from Cincinnati, Big back, man. It just looks good. It really compact frame. Um, just looks the part. I thought he had a couple of nice physical runs today. Elijah Holyfield has some nice physical runs today. Corey Clement scored a couple times, um, and he looked good. He kind of had – he looked – I would say this. He looked better than he did last year. You know, I was talking with somebody on the sideline today, um, you know, one of the other media members, and he kind of uh, you know, alluded to the same thing, that he, just kinda, he, he looks better. You know what I mean? Like just coming off the injuries uh, that he's dealt with. So – uh, it's going to be a really interesting competition there, you know, at running back and just see who makes it because Adrian Killens, uh, certainly a different body type, a more on the smaller side, uh, but an explosive athlete. So when you look at Adrian Killens, you look at Holyfield, you look at Warren, Corey Clement, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting battle here over the next couple of weeks, guys, and at that spot. And so I don't Corey feel like Clement. it's even like uh, you need that guy to be a dual threat back or catch the ball right. out of the backfield. That really wasn't what Blount did well. It's not really what Jordan Howard did well. We all knew what they did well, and we were going to do it anyways. And it's really a kind of a, a wear you down type of role that, you know, if, you know, Corey Clement catches the ball well, that's okay. If Mike Warren kind of proves to be that short yardage guy or that bruiser back, I think there's still a place in this offense for a more of a one-dimensional back. Yeah. The thing is, what's very interesting, Corey Clement, Miles Sanders said the Super Bowl Corey is back, which is interesting because Miles Sanders wasn't on the right. Super Bowl team, but you know, nonetheless, still, <laughs> still, but Clement was still happy to hear that because he said that he's really worked hard this offseason, understanding the situation. He, he, he described it as a hard reset as what do I have to do to get back to what I did in 2017. And you figure what was really his role in 2017. He was a third back, you know, if he had to come in uh, before they had acquired JGI, but he was a key guy in special teams. So if he can do that for you and, you know, be another threat out of the backfield, not just in the run game, but the pass game. And it seems like the Eagles have a lot more options from that standpoint. I know you're talking about who's going to be the bruiser, the, the blunt in this offense, but with Sanders who had 50 receptions last year, Boston Scott said he's worked a lot on his pass catching out of the backfield to be more versatile. Clement brings that element to the game. It seems like there's going to be a lot more options for Carson Wentz where if things go wrong, that he can dump off the ball to these guys and they're going to be able to go play. Or you have guys like Rich Gangarello who, you know, comes from the Kyle Shanahan offense, can really scheme some things up to help get these guys more involved in the pass game. 
No question. Well, well, guys, this has been fun. Uh, you know, we went about 20 minutes. It was a 10-10-10. Obviously, there was a lot that we were going to hit on here. Uh, really, every day. Every day that there's Eagles practice, we'll be having one of these discussions uh, here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. You can also catch my notes, uh, my practice notes with Dave Spadaro, which will be up on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. I'm sure on the Eagles social media channels as well. So make sure you keep an eye out for all of those. Like I said, we will be here every single day. I mentioned Dave. Check out his Eagles Insider podcast. I know he's got some great interviews, some important interviews uh, coming up this week. Um, I know he spoke with Doug Peterson today one-on-one, so that will be coming up. Make sure you guys are are subscribed to the Eagles Insider podcast uh, wherever podcasts can be found. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. We'll, uh, We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Great stuff from Ben and Chris. You can follow on Twitter just like I do at Ben Fennel underscore NFL and at CMAC Eagles. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's nose content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know, I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is going to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating or even leave us a comment. Look, football season's here. It's here. It has happened. I was at practice today. I know it. I've seen it with my own eyes. So now's the time to throw us your support here. Throw us a little bit of a rating, a little bit of a comment. If you have a question about what we're seeing every day at camp, the best way for me to answer it is to go on to Apple Podcasts, leave the question, and I promise you we will answer it on the show. It's that simple. So wherever you listen, go on, leave a rating, leave a comment. Appreciate the hundreds of you that have already done it. Thank you so much. And uh, we've got big plans for the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade here Coming up this season in 2020, uh, can't tell you how excited I am. We, you, so many of you filled out that survey we had just over or just under a year ago. That survey really, really paid dividends because we've got some great ideas, some great content, great structure for what the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast is going to look like here moving forward. Thanks so much to all of you out there for listening. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to C-Mac. We'll see you guys tomorrow here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you tomorrow.